This is the 1230 TWC Business Beat Radio with Jackie Groundsell on Love to Beat Radio. Hello, and it's Jackie Groundsell here, and a happy Monday. It's a bit grey here in Penge. I'm broadcasting from Love to Beat Radio, uh, as I say, based here in Penge, South East London. How's your weekend been? I had a hectic, absolutely hectic weekend actually, unexpectedly, so Saturday, a um, little bit of work in between times, but on Saturday I spent some time with my elder son and his little one, who's two and a half, Lewis, and then on Sunday I got an unexpected call from said son to say, do you want to come to Ikea with me? Well... I've not been to Ikea for ages, so to say that I was suffering Ikea withdrawal symptoms is a slight exaggeration, I suppose. Uh, <laughs> but, but we were in there absolutely ages. Uh, it was heaving, and if any of you know Ikea over in Pearly Way, um, parking's you know, if it rains, then where does everybody go on a Sunday? They go to Ikea, don't they, in Pearly? So um, parking was a nightmare, but um, he's the whiz at squeezing into all these little places with his van. And, um, yeah, so we had a good time. I ended up with, didn't didn't stop for any food, or didn't stop for a meal, because, again, the queues were horrendous. But the system they've got there for queuing is the, you know, the well-known Disney one, where you're up and down and up and down and up and down, and then suddenly you're there at the desk to pay which is fantastic anyway enough of my weekend i hope yours was good we've got a great show for you today um two guests with annabelle Kay, who's one of our regulars as you know um comes in and shares with us her expertise all in the contracts and uh, legal side of things. We're going to have a bit of a discussion with her today about things. Um, and we've also got Gary Parker who's coming in to join the conversation as well. So um, I'm going to let you, uh, I'm going to let them introduce themselves later on. But in the meantime, Let's just give you some information about what's actually happening with us. So, 12.30, the Women's Company is lunchtime networking for businesswomen, and we've got groups in London and the South East who meet every month at four, for lunch, yes, but we're definitely not ladies who lunch. We are ladies who ha- are on a mission and that mission is to provide good services for our clients, i.e. most of you, I guess. Um, sometimes I know um, who my listeners are, and often it is a lady called Cat Webb who is based in Birchington. Now, I've waxed lyrical to you about her before. She is the host of our Thanet group, and she has two amazing businesses, actually. She has a B&B in Birchington, which is Art Deco. Each room is themed, and she also runs the Beckenham uh, tours for David Bowie. So guess what? She's got a David Bowie room as well. And not only has she got a David Bowie suite, but she's also got a shower with a full-size David Bowie standing in a shower. So if you go to Cat's B&B, you can say, I've had a shower with David Bowie. So there you go. So we've got some uh, a great lineup of hosts. We've actually got nine hosts now. Recently, Tina Brown has joined us for the... Sidcup and um, Bexley Group, which uh, she'll run alongside Siobhan uh, Eden, and um, very mistakenly I I noticed, and they pointed out to me, um, some typos in the emails that went out this morning, so apologies for that, ladies. Um, Bromley, we've got Peggy McSweeney, who runs that, who's the host for that group. Karen Roberts is Orpington, and if you check out the website, you'll see all the um, listings there. If you go to the calendar, you'll find all the details for the groups. But let me just update you with what's actually happening. This Thursday in Orpington with Karen, um, we've got Sabrina 
Toberoni, who is actually running a workshop at half past 11. So the workshop is actually free for anybody actually coming to the meeting. So not only do you get a real hands-on with the Canva, so bring your laptops with you, but you also get the great opportunity to tell everybody about your own business, to share experiences, swap stories, and um, have a real hands-on experience, not only for Canva, but also about the networking. And of course, in Gelangelo, in Orpington High Street, the food is absolutely fantastic. In Bromley, Jenny Hallam is running a vision vision board workshop for us for the next meeting and that's on the 16th of October no it's not, where are we? 16th of November uh, gosh, how many days somebody tell me, how many days is it to Christmas I'm losing track very fast um, following on from me, so this show is 2 till 4 o'clock and as I say, we've got Annabelle Kay of Coffee Clatch and Gary Parker, who is CNT Associates, my real go-to man for anything to do with funding and grants. Um, he will be coming in on the show as well. And they will be sharing with us their choice of music, as well as all the other things that we can actually pop in there. But at four o'clock, we've got Ozzy Osman with his regular slot, which is the indie rock. So do stay tuned once you've actually... Um, finished with this particular show and of course we're on radio so you can listen to us wherever you are what you're doing whether you're riding a bike whether you're um, doing the ironing or maybe you're doing some socials online or something of that sort or, or even answering your emails you might be able to concentrate enough to be able to do that so do check out the website we're all the w's one two three zero dot co dot uk and i'm broadcasting here from love to beat radio that's l-o-v-e d-a-b-e-a-t-r-a-d-i-o here in london penge southeast london the station itself has a whole wealth and variety of different presenters, a variety of music. There's no particular theme with any of um, the radio station as such. Each presenter has their own style. So, you know, have a look any time of day or night so that you can actually listen in to that. Um, just popping in with some of the... You know how these things pop up on your screen at times that you don't want them to? So, oh, I've just got rid of that. Now, an additional exciting thing is that these radio shows are recorded all the time and we have a podcast. So if you check out, again, the 1230 website with all the Ws, one, one, two, three Ws, and then dot... 1230.co.uk have a look on the navigation bar and you'll see podcasts so the last previous shows the last two previous shows are actually up there ready for you to go back on in case you wanted to remind yourself of the conversations that we've had or if you didn't have the opportunity to hear them at all you will um, be able to listen in 1230 TWC Business Beat Radio Mondays 2 till 4 p.m. UK time Tips, inspiration, fun, tunes for and from business women on all the socials www.1230.co.uk at Love to Beat Radio Now I'm going to be a little bit indulgent now because on Wednesday it's the it's my eldest son's birthday and this is a biggie. So to John Parker, my eldest son, happy birthday to you on Wednesday. And I will be seeing you then as well as dining out on Thursday, which will be super duper. So I want to be able to share some networking tips with you. And the biggest one I think that people often fail to do not not consciously but it's we have got such busy lives just at the moment 
But I think the follow-up, when you go to networking events, and, and really they don't have to be formal networking events, you can meet people informally, you could be standing in, I think uh, Vicky in the earlier programme, she mentioned Waitrose, so you could be standing in Waitrose, you could be standing in Tesco's, you could be standing at the school gates. Um, and having a conversation with somebody is networking and I'm often asked when did I start networking well I think for me and for many of us actually at birth <laughs> um, so my hot tip is always make sure that you follow up and even more so if you say to somebody I'm going to email you or I'm going to phone you make sure that you do actually do that it's so important those follow-ups otherwise particularly with the formal side of networking if you don't follow up what's the point of being in there even with free events they're not really free you know because your time is money and you can go to an event for half an hour, an hour or whatever and that is your time and that is your money being spent in your very worthwhile time. So I'm not saying that you have to make sure that you speak to everybody who's there because that very often isn't possible. People say, oh, we've got 150 people coming to this event. That's fine, you can't realistically talk to 150 people, but you can pick out a few people that you really would value. Or you can ask your host, maybe, if, you're, if it's not an event that you're familiar with or a venue that you're familiar with, ask the host of the, the organizer of the event to introduce you to particular people that you need to meet. So, for example, if, if you um, need to pe meet people who are in insurance, maybe, on a particular type of insurance, it may be that you want uh, commercial property insurance. So, ask your organiser, is there anybody here who is commercial property? Um, and they will introduce you and the fact that you've actually met up with this person now that who was on your little list make sure you follow up and also it's useful to have your diaries with you because it's all very well saying oh I'll give you a, a ring tomorrow and we'll sort out something in the diary if you've actually got your diary with you you can do it there and then and it's a lot quicker process whether you're like me and have a great big clunky file of facts <laughs> or you uh, you do your diary electronically then make sure you've got your diaries with you so i'm expecting gary parker to join me any second now this is the 1230 twc business beat radio with jackie groundsell on love to beat radio are you there gary uh, yes i am excellent excellent Hello, everybody <laughs> Thanks, Gary. Um, I now I've got my little notes here. Thank you so much for joining us today. So, Gary, you are MD of CNT Associates, fundraising and grant specialists. Um, you've been providing fundraising and business support for services, organisations, and individuals. Um, and communities since 2003. So is that right? Did I pick up the right information? Uh, yes, no, that's, that's correct. Next year is our 20th anniversary. Oh, wow. Uh, much to my surprise. Um, although I've only actually been the managing director for about 10 years. Um, but um, I was involved in it previous to that, but in a less hands-on way, shall we say. Um, and... Uh, yeah, it's it's been <laughs> it's been an interesting ride from the the great crash of um, twenty nine ten to the pandemic and, and where we are today. Yeah, no, absolutely, and of course it, you you're supporting so many people who have gone through those things as well, haven't you? And, and seen them come out well, the other side. I, I, I've yes. as much as I've known you for such a long time, I've never really been clear. Is CNT Associates actually your company? Uh, yes. Yeah. Yeah. Right. Okay. Okay. So um, that's cool. So tell me a little bit more about CNT and what you provide for the people that you have seen through those traumatic times that you just highlighted. Um, I think the easiest way to get uh, an overview of us is to look at our website cntassociates.com that's Charlie Nice Tango cntassociates.com uh, 
basically we do three things we do business support that is we help uh, people who are sole traders or run companies or run non-profit making organizations as well to develop their businesses and organizations and we do everything from coaching to business planning and everything in between uh, then um, that is about uh, I would say about 40% of our business, so it's about 40% of our business. But the, the biggest uh, part is uh, the fundraising side of things, although the, it, the balance has shifted a bit in the last few years because of um, uh, support for businesses affected by the pandemic. Um, um, probably at least 50% uh, of our work is around 55% is around fundraising. Um, uh, we write bids, applications, we do research um, uh, about sources of funding and we apply for funding for organisations. We write bids on behalf of organisations or in partnership sometimes. Um, and another part of our business uh, is training associated with all the other three things. Uh, we've got a YouTube channel as well. If you want to see us on YouTube channel, there's a lot of presentations that we've done on YouTube on funding and many other things. Well, while, um, while you're actually guiding people towards your YouTube um, channel, Gary, how do people actually get in touch with you? Um, the easiest way is to email us, uh, probably. Uh, info at cntassociates.com uh, you'll get through us or mess you can message us via our website as well there is a contact page on that or you, if you want to call me you can call me on 0778 66 um, this week um on Wednesday, I'm actually running a workshop at the Beckenham Business Association uh, event day um, at 2.30. So if any of you are going to that, uh, you'd be more most welcome at the workshop, which is free or part of your uh, ticket price. Um, so I shall be appearing uh, just down the road from you uh, then. That's on Wednesday. Well, Chris, we are, we are global, you know, Gary. We're locally yes. based, but we're globally. Oh, yes, well, I know, I know what's globally, yes. <laughs> so, um, um, you've got any idea what sort of, I mean, obviously, I, d I don't want to restrict people coming to the event itself, because I'll be popping in at some point, but have you got any idea what sort of time you might be on, and what, what's your main uh, topic? I know you've just covered, said what you actually cover, yeah, but what are you well, focusing on? Well, I'm speaking on, on Wednesday, the workshop is at 2.30, um, and I will be speaking on, on sources uh, of funding and support for businesses and social enterprises. Oh, great. Okay, so so can you share any of that with our listeners? Do you have any suggestions on any particular sites that they might be guided towards for fundraising? Yeah, yeah. The, the, there's there's quite a lot of uh, one of the problems with fundraising, and which confuses a lot of businesses. Um, is that there's no one portal that you can go and get all this information from because funding sources are different uh, and they come from different places. At one time we used to have European funding as well. So there's lots of funding from government, local government, other businesses, sometimes from charities um, and sometimes from uh, individual companies as well, large ones, you know, because large companies... Uh, like Virgin and others, they have their own uh, charities or they do crowdfunding, which is another area uh, that has uh, increased in popularity in the, in the last few years. So um, there's no one place you can go to to get information about this. There are some places, though, that do, where you can get uh, a significant amount of information. I'm just looking at a few now. Um, if you... Uh, the government's website, gov.uk, gov.uk, uh, it's the British government, and then uh, forward slash business finance support. Um, and you can do a customised search on that. That's all government grants that are out there, um, which is very interesting. 
uh, another good source of information for businesses um, is the uh, Entrepreneur Handbook. That's www Entrepreneur Handbook. That's all one word. .co.uk, and that's got sixty pages of uh, information about grant grant funding throughout the UK. Um, there are um, others. If people go onto our uh, YouTube channel, you can see some of these presentations on there. The one I did uh, last week on on business funding is, or, or two weeks ago, um, is now online. Uh, and uh, <laughs> if you've got an hour to spare, uh, and you can sit through it, you can watch that. And then we have a number of guests on as well um, uh, at our uh, uh, events, because some of it's information. Uh, and then we interview people as well. Cool. And, uh, cool. So, um, um, you know, there's a few links. Yeah, no, that sounds really helpful. You said that there's no main ones, one, one website for all this information. Is that a missed opportunity by somebody, or is it because everything is moving so quickly in terms of funding and grants that it, it can't yeah. really be nailed down, as it were? Yeah, I, I mean, and, you know, there are international grants out there still. Uh, for a, example, I'll give you an example of one of those, which is an American-based one called the Global Fund for Women, which funds, you know, women-led projects and businesses. Now, that is a big, been around for a long, long time. Um, but they're, they're constantly changing uh, their focus and remit because it's international. And, and many funds do that. Many are time-limited um, and... Uh, you know, you've got different sectors of the economy because in some areas there's more grants than us. For example, for digital services um, and projects, there is quite, still quite a lot of money out there from government and other sources uh, for digital development projects. So, you know, th th there's lots of differentiation here. It really depends what sector you're in as well as to where the opportunities are and, and what you actually want the money for. Because uh, often people, obviously people always need money, but they don't always think out, you know, what you need it for and what's the best way to uh, develop your project or business using that money. Well, the funders will analyse that very carefully. Um, and, and we look at uh, a number of the key factors. Uh, but as I say, if people look at our presentations, um, uh, you know, because uh, the British economy is still very... Uh, tight, but there's, there's areas that are expanding still, will continue to expand, others uh, are obviously having problems, but, um, uh, you know, there's still, there's still money to support organisations out there, depending on where you are and what sector you're in. Um, the people who find it most difficult to get funding, I would add that this, are, are sole traders, um, because we do, you know, some work around government procurement and local government procurement. And by and large, you're not excluded, but it's more difficult if you haven't got some kind of corporate structure. Uh, I think that's a lot to do with the legal system as well, in terms of contracting, and, it, and, uh, and indeed if people want to take legal action against you for any reason, uh, it's, they much prefer to do it uh, uh, on a corporate rather than an individual basis. And indeed, individually, um, because if you're a sole trader, you, you are personally liable. So, um, you know, there's, there's lots of good reasons uh, why funding uh, goes to some organisations and not others and some individuals, not others. Yeah, that's interesting you should say that because Annabelle, Annabelle Kay, as you know, will be joining us later on. But actually, I can see that she's online now. So when you mentioned about the contracts, I wonder if she's actually ready to join us. I'm just going to press the button while everybody talks amongst themselves and see whether in fact um, she is actually where are we Annabelle are you there oh I am now <laughs> hi Annabelle how are you hi I don't know what happened I clicked and everything disappeared <laughs> well the same thing happened this end yeah. which was I was but um, yeah I have uh, had that problem as well <laughs> I was just saying to Gary that um, we, we were sort of expecting you after three o'clock, but what he was saying made it probably appropriate 
for you to um, actually come in and join in the conversation. But um, let me just introduce you first of all. So many of our listeners will actually know Annabelle Kay because she's one of our regulars. And Annabelle founded Coffee Catch in 2009 specifically to support organisations which outsource to freelancers. Your practical expertise, Annabelle, in outsourcing to uh, VAs, web designers, um, bookkeepers, trainers, and so much more, uh, is really the key to your story. You definitely live the life that you talk about, um, and I'd like you to expand on that later on. But Gary Cook, would you mind just reiterating what you were saying about the corporates and contracts and stuff? So uh, Annabelle gets I, I, I I would just say in terms of uh, grants and, and, and contracts from government, local government and other statutory bodies, uh, they often prefer uh, corporate organisations, whether large or small, to sole traders um, for a whole host of reasons. How do you find that on the contractual side of things, Annabelle? Do you, does that sort of touch on anything that you manage? quite see why if I was a big government awarding ten billion pounds worth of work I probably wouldn't want to go to one billion ten quid contractors to do it. I mean the admin would be enormous. They tend to like a master service agreement and get that organisation to get the people to get the people to get the people. And I can understand it from an efficiency point of view, but it does have a side effect. And that is that the people who are doing the work are not the people who are getting the money because everybody in the food chain takes a percentage. So you might be doing something for 20 quid an hour that the people you're working for are charging out at 30 quid an hour that's being charged out to the contractor further up the line at 60 quid an hour and the government may be paying 100 quid an hour for it. So it, it's a choice of efficiency of admin but what it does is it concentrates the profit into the hands of the large contractors. And those large contractors, not to put too fine a point on it, tend to make millions, if not billions, and they have very big lobbying budgets. And we've seen some really big scandals in terms of failure of delivery in things like prison services, etc., etc. And I'm beginning to wonder myself just how efficient it is to concentrate the wealth into a few big party donors and make the people at the bottom, the actual outsourced people, do the work far more cheaply than the price the taxpayer pays. I mean, there's something wrong with the system. I understand why it is the way it is, but I don't like the effects of it at all. And in the age of computerization and uh, remote working and all sorts of ways for managing things, I wonder whether it's time to review whether all of this needs to be done the way it has been historically. Interesting. I, I think you're right, Annabelle. I, I, I mean, my company uh, was on the receiving the end of that ourselves because it's called CNT Associates because we originally called uh, Community Network Training. We had another company. Uh, and that used to deliver training services in London for the DWP. And when we're at its height, which was right about 2008, uh, six to eight, uh, there was about 200 companies in London delivering a range of services. Uh, but what there was a policy decision taken to uh, do just what you said, which was basically to have um, leading contractors there were three appointed in London and everybody else had to get into a consortium with them um, and uh, what happened to us is we were offered a deal which we couldn't even break even on uh, so we just pulled out of it so we are out of the game delivering the contract which was you know w without the, the levels of um, uh, taking out profit um, uh, quite successfully, it was an administrative decision and a management decision, uh, rather than a service to quality of service delivery uh, decision. And uh, you know, a lot of skills and expertise were were lost to that market. I'm not sure it's ever regained, to be honest. No, and when you add into it now the knock-on effects of the dreaded IR35, which means that um, government departments and and large 
private companies are now sending people to say if you want to work for us at all you, you have to work through an umbrella company and in effect pay your own employers and employees national insurance pay your own tax pay your own holidays out of if you're lucky the same gross fee you were getting in the first place as a legitimate self-employed person invoicing to a company it is arguable that surprisingly the last decade or so of conservative government has gone out of its way to destroy the small business sector they may be pro-business but they're not pro-small business they're pro-big business in my opinion yeah i would agree with you on that i did yeah. uh, you must see that all the time gary uh, yeah, yeah. I, I mean, it, it, it does vary from uh, industry to uh, industry, I have to say, because um, in, in some areas, you know, particularly around uh, technology or, 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 or in areas where it's more difficult to kind of corner the market, as it were, there's a bit more leeway there than in, in many other areas. Uh, it's, uh, as you described in my experience, Annabelle, and lot of I, I think the other issue is around uh, local wealth creation as well around this because if you I mean I remember the FSB and a few years ago FSB did a um, uh, a survey which basically showed that for every pound uh, generated by a, a small business in a local area 60 pence went back into the local economy for a big business it was 40 pence now that 20 pence is you know you you add that up across a lot of businesses that's a lot of money um and um uh you know you're, you're better better off having that money recirculating locally and, and small local businesses are much more likely to employ uh other uh local people um and their supply chain is much more likely to be local as well so it kind of compounds things and uh, uh, that's possibly overlooked. And, and I would add that I've yet to meet a small business owner who had a bank account that was offshore in the Panama where they were sending all their money to and avoiding tax. I mean, for most of us, regardless of the, the lawfulness of those actions or the morality of them, you have to be earning X amount of money to make it worthwhile to have a dodgy tax advisor yeah. and a dodgy bank account. And most of us don't earn that much in the first place. So it's not just about the local economic spend, which I totally agree with you about, but it's about the tax yield. Every single penny my business makes is taxed in the UK. Every single penny we spend in the UK is taxed in the, in the UK. We don't have any mechanism for avoiding it. I just want to interrupt you very briefly there. Um, as you both know and our listeners know, we kick in at three o'clock with our adverts. Following our adverts will be a particular piece of music that is of importance to Gary, which I will ask him to expand on when we come back, and then we can carry on with this conversation, which I think is really vital for our business listeners here. So um, please do carry on for, until we kick in. This is the 1230 TWC Business Beat Radio with Jackie Groundsell on Love to Beat Radio. So, this is Jackie Brownson, as you just heard, 12.30, The Women's Company. I have got the amazing Annabelle Parker. Annabelle Parker. Parker. Annabelle <laughs> Kay. I'm not a marriage relator. Annabelle Kay and Gary Parker online. As soon as our adverts are finished, we will... Um, continue this important conversation that they're having in terms of funding and, and businesses. This is the 1230 TWC Business Beat Radio with Jackie Groundsell on Love to Beat Radio. Well, back to my guests now. Gary and Annabelle, are you both there? Super dupes. Okay. Yes, we're here. Good. Now, you you mentioned, or I mentioned, I, I was sure in the background there when the ads were on that um, you were both sorting the world out and putting them to rights. What, both of you, I put this question to you, with everything that's going on at the moment, the changes in the world and everything, what suggestions might you both have for actually for businesses to get through these tough times. Annabelle, how about you first? Well, I 
focused a lot on my own mental health and well-being because I'm still the driver in my business. So if I go down, it'll probably manage, but it won't grow and it won't thrive. So personally, and everybody's got their own sense they do, I've got very much involved in the local biodiversity group. And I was out yesterday um, planting spring bulbs and we've been planting hedgerows and trees because I feel doing something about the the climate issue that we've got i mean i don't think i can change the world but i can change what's on my front doorstep makes me feel as if i'm trying to do something that makes a difference rather than just sitting there going oh i don't know and the way i look at it is if there is a climate emergency I'm contributing towards solving it and if there isn't the, the bulbs are beautiful the trees are beautiful the whole thing's lovely anyway i don't see a downside to it so i'm really cultivating my own mental and emotional health um, by being connected with the land and other people which helps me fill up those batteries to then go do what i need to do at work yeah i must admit when we had the pandemic and when we were in lockdown my my garden was my saving grace i just you know whenever i'm having a bit of a tough time i'm out there in the garden um and at that time really had no inkling towards climate change etc um except of course now we're all so much more clued up in that direction what about you gary what what are your um suggestions for helping business yourself and businesses getting through yeah I, i mean during the pandemic, it was a kind of um, existential crisis, really, because I'm asthmatic, you know, um, and uh, I was seriously ill when I was young with uh, respiratory illness, which nearly killed me. I survived, fortunately, thanks to the NHS, mm-hmm. um, which I'm eternally grateful for. Um, but I just thought, well, you know, what could happen here if my business, you know, because a lot of businesses got in, it, it, it was, it's fortunately, we're, we're not, got very little uh, debt in our company, so, but I thought, well, you know, if the business goes bust, I will start again, uh, and I've got to do everything I can to maintain my health, uh, which I did, I was very fortunate, uh, not to, I, I didn't get COVID till uh, this year, really. when I did get it, I didn't realise for a while, because, um, uh, I thought was have, I've had worse asthma attacks actually. Uh, to be honest, that was obviously partly due to the um, vaccination campaign, but also I'd take you know I got myself much fitter, etc. So, so there are things you can do. Uh, I would agree with Annabelle. Um, is um, you know generally speaking in life, uh, you're going to come across hurdles, uh, and you have to work out strategies for overcoming those barriers and hurdles. There's always something that you can do. I think. Uh, where it, it, things can get difficult is if you, you know, if, if you kind of lapse into despair, which is quite easily, and then you know you're not you're not thinking things out properly. Um, I think you need to talk to other people if you if you're in that decision. Um, it's interesting. I do a lot of work for well-being organisations, and I think uh, men are far worse uh, about talking about their feelings and worries than women are. Um, I think that shows up in things like suicide rates, etc., etc. Um, but uh, you know, uh, we all need to talk to somebody, whether it's on an emotional level to a friend or whatever. But, and if you're a business, to a coach or somebody who can uh, give you advice and who's not so emotionally involved um, uh, in your business. Um, I, I mean, that's an area that we do uh work in because you know our business has been around for 20 years uh, and indeed there's plenty of other people like annabelle you know her business has been around for a long time she knows a thing or two so she's well worth listening to and indeed jackie as well <laughs> so um uh, I, I think that's the thing to do if you're not sure what to do then try and get advice from uh, elsewhere whether it's preferably people-centered i would say but you know there's a lot of information online etc out there the only trouble with that is you get sifting it and you know um uh that can be uh a problem in itself but um that's the trouble isn't it with google yes. doctor we're all experts in that field i think um and and very easy to one, one of the things that's um 
crossed my mind and also in different conversations I've been having with people is so many people now are working from home. Um, I was talking to my, one of my grandsons the other day and he works in um, not far from Tottenham Court Road but he's up there one day a week. The rest of the time he's working from home. My, my, um, one of my daughter-in-laws, she works wholly from home now, where she was up in the, in the West End. She was in Green Park. What do you think? Do you think these, that working from home is going to have repercussions, not only on the individual, but on the businesses as well? Because a lot of us, when we're, I mean, I, I like working from home. I, I do work from home, but I have the opportunity when I go to all our meetings, I get, um, meet so many different people. So I'm very fortunate in that sense. But some people are just there in four walls not only just sort of stepping aside from what you were saying Gary about the sort of mental health side of things but what about businesses because we often feed from each other when we're in offices don't we sort of bounce an idea across the room or what do you think yeah. the impact will be on the, do you think there'll be any any impact either of you on businesses yeah, with I, this I, I think it, it's very difficult it's interesting this is almost going back to a pre-industrial time you know, because that's what used to happen then before the Industrial Revolution and everybody moved into the city and was in fact, we, we had, you know, home kind of uh, uh, craft industries, but, you know, that was a very, very different era. Obviously, um, there's a lot of convenience from working from home, but, you know, people are social beings. I think if you uh, spend all your time there, I mean, I mean, I guess it's like the usual kind of work-life balance uh, that you've got to... Uh, work out um, uh, but I think interaction with others in in most industries in most sectors uh, there's very few people who can work solely alone um, and you've got to find out ways to do that you know whether it's by networking on online or whatever mm, yeah and, and one of the things Annabelle you mentioned about um, the benefits of having now being in devices as you are um, with much more open space um, that your, your two dogs they um, I'm sure are also, I know they're social animals but also uh, is an encouragement of interacting with people as well because everybody talks to somebody with a dog don't they, like they talk to everybody who's got a child, do you, do you actually still find that? Yeah, especially given the way my dogs act everyone's got something to say about my dogs trust yeah. me, <laughs> well they're so unusual <laughs> Yeah, but I want to go back to the connection that Gary made between working at home and lack of social. Mm. And I think I've been working at home for 20 years and few people have had a wilder social life than me during that time. Um, so I don't, I don't think it's, it's an automatic connection that because you work at home, you don't have a social life. Mm. I do know that some people rely on the workspace for a social life. And I, I realized this decades ago when we still had a very big office in Croydon. And we were all working parents. So we used to, the minute the day was done, we'd go, bye, see you tomorrow. Everybody left the office. We didn't hang out together a lot. Not because we didn't like each other, but we had school runs, supermarket runs, commutes to do. And we didn't need to do all that. And we hired someone who was a single man who very quickly started kicking off going, everybody's ostracizing me and bullying me and sending me to commentary. And I said, oh, that's interesting. What are they doing that makes you feel that way? And he said, not one single person is inviting me for a drink after work. And I said, well, every single person in this office has got kids to pick up for school. How would that happen? So to me, it's a generational and a situational thing. If you've already got a social life and if you've already got a life, working from home doesn't negatively affect your social life. But if, like a lot of single people who possibly live with people they don't know very well or like very well, you know, the person working in the back bedroom and he comes out for coffee, you may find it difficult to generate a social life working from home. But that said, I've got quite a few friends with sort of grown-up kids who are absolutely introverted, who struggled to generate a social life before working from home. And I think you, you have to, the first 
reason I did when I moved to a new area was, was I joined the local biodiversity group because we plant together, we fundraise together. I've met lots of people. I'm aware of the fact that sitting in my office, nobody's going to come through my front door and go, oh, Annabelle, I'm so glad you moved to the neighbourhood. Let's meet up for coffee. It's not how it happens. So I think we need the skills we always needed to create a social life when we work at home and the people who struggle to create a social life when they worked in the office will struggle doubly so to create a social life when they don't but i think it's a technique gap rather than something in the system because as gary said people have worked at home since the beginning of humanity until the beginning of the industrial revolution the notion that it's natural to go from one place to another and spend a lot of time and money and exhausting yourself to go work somewhere else is not reflected in our history. And people have always managed to have some sort of social life, even if they lived in a peasant's hut in a tiny little village with four other people. What we now have is the massive advantage of being able to socialise online as well as in the room, as it were. Um, and we need to make sure our young people particularly have got the skills to make the best of it. But I don't think it's axiomatic that because I work from home, I have no social life. You know how far ahead, Jackie. You have to book to have the slightest moment with me. Yeah. Oh, no, indeed. It's, uh, mm -hmm. um, but, but just sort of ticking that box on that, would, do you feel in today's um, environment that people are going to be losing out, the businesses as such will be losing out in terms of the interaction that people have got used to within those office walls um, and those that have been in offices, not necessarily those that are used, like you and me, used to working out of... Um, because um, Gary, I think it's a mixed bag. I mean, I run a bullying and harassment group on LinkedIn, and I can tell you that for many people, the experience of working with other people is torture. Right. Lots of office environments are frankly toxic. And again, it, it's not as simple as going to the office good and social, staying at home isolated. Some office workspaces are so toxic, I would not wish to visit them even briefly. Mm. You know? Mm. I think what is. Yeah, people are missing out on the, the easy camaraderie of working with people they can laugh and joke with. But it would be foolish to imagine that that's what the workplace is like for everybody. Yes. Just as people who are working at home, some really are miserable and lost and lonely, and others are perfectly happy. They've got their family, their dogs, their life, and they like clocking off at 5.30 and being home at 5.31. You know, I think there are difficulties on both fronts. And I think from a business point of view, I've got clients who went, uh, we need everyone back in the office because we don't know how to supervise people or create a team if, if we can't see people. But I've got other clients who have perfectly well adapted, create teams, supervise work remotely and don't see the issue. I think just like the socialisation issue, for some jobs, and I perfectly well accept you can't be a nurse remotely, although the NHS is its best job, um, <laughs> you know, but... Yeah. For a lot of it is technique changes. I mean, there is the irreducible minimum where technique doesn't help. But a lot of the people are like, oh, I can't supervise people if I can't watch them. I'd like to say to you, what do you think you're doing when you're watching them? Yeah. yeah. Uh, what do you know by staring at them from the other side of the room? And for most people, the answer is not a lot. Whereas if you're working collaboratively in a team where things are properly documented, I mean, I work with people I have never met in person, both clients and team members, and I never intend to. No, no. It's not because I dislike them. We just work perfectly well as we are. In that way. Gary, Gary you, you, um, do you work from home at all? I know you have an office, but, uh, but how does uh, it yeah, work? Yeah, uh, uh, no, the, the, the uh, listeners can't see it, but I'm, I'm actually, uh, Annabelle, and you can see it. Uh, <laughs> um, I'm, I'm actually there now. Um, I, I just think you go home to go home. I'm not making any judgments on anybody else. It's what suits individuals. Yeah. Uh, and I'd rather stay at work and finish and then go home and do other things. Yeah. That's just me personally. Um, other people, you know, it depends on, uh, you know, how you uh, view things, what your perspective is, what your feelings are about things, you know. So I, I don't think there's one right way to do no, things. No, not uh, at all. 
I, I think it, it's whatever suits your lifestyle. Yeah. Um, I did stay at home do, during the pandemic for uh, a, a while. Um, I'm glad it was during the spring. I, I found it a bit more difficult when we had the second lockdown during the winter. Um, so, uh, but our office had reopened by then, the building I was in had reopened, so I spent yeah. as much time in there as I could. Gary, um, Gary you mentioned um, how much longer Annabelle's been in business than both of us. I mean, put us together, and you've got Annabelle. What is it, 42 years now, Annabelle? Yep, just starting wow. our 43rd, actually, tomorrow, because it was 42 years this afternoon, <laughs> so we're off again. And, and yeah, you're quite right, Gary, about. Um, you know the switch-off point. Lots of people do use the commute to to get out of work mode and into home mode. Lots of other people, though, were played with having to work on their mobile device while they're on the train or whatever until they get home. And I think as the boss, we get a lot of choices. And when we make choices for us, that's great. But sometimes we make choices for our team based on our own personal preferences and styles, which don't necessarily work for them. If what it's worth, what I try and do is at the time of day when I'm finishing work and it's a bit more difficult in the winter, I always try to go for a walk. And even if I don't want to, the dogs will make me. Mm. Because I find I like to go out in the morning before I start work, go for a little walk, come in. And I like to go out in the evening when I finish work because it's a little ritual of going through a door. It's kind of changing my state, even though I'm coming back. And I do have a space in this house. I'm lucky enough that I'm mostly working. I'm not in it today because the decorators are. So I, I can shut that door and turn off my mind, you know. Mm. I wouldn't want to be working in in my living room with my family and guests and dogs around me and trying to go what's working time, what's not. Yeah. You know, that would have been difficult. Yeah, yeah, no, I can see that. I can see that. Now... Given what seasoned people you are in terms of business, do you? I'm going to kick off into some music now and give us a, a bit of a break. But can you, both of you, give two tips on what you might have learnt, or, or what you would like—not tips, but necessarily—but what you would like to share as two points that you have learnt, particularly in business that are important to you and um, uh, may also be for other people. Annabelle, if you'd like to go first, please. Well, you now or after the music? No, now. Because I'll no, give you a break. Sorry, I'm out and I didn't want to speak across what was happening next. Sorry. Well, I think one thing is to do stuff. I think it's great to have a coach, it's great to study, but perfection is the enemy of the good. And an awful lot of businesses need activity and they can actually cope on less than 100% perfect activity when they can't cope on no activity whatsoever. And sometimes I think you need to gently fail towards your goal. And by all means, take advice, by all means, learn, by all means, take courses. But whatever you do, take action. Because even half right action is better than no action most of the time. And I think if you're in that state of, I don't know what I'm doing, do a little thing, you know. Mm. Um, sometimes we want it all to be perfect. The number of times I've seen people spend tens of thousands of pounds on a launch when I haven't actually found out whether anyone wants what they're offering mm. is beyond counting. So that one tip would be take action. And the other one I think would be test, which follows from that. But just because you love a thing or think it's the best thing ever doesn't mean anyone else wants it. You know? So there are all these coaches out there, and I don't want to rain on anyone's plate talking about the importance of passion. But in 42 years, I've never once paid the rent with passion. I've never paid the tax man with passion or a restaurant bill. I find passion keeps me going, but being passionate about something people are actually prepared to pay for is what makes a business. And if it's not something people are prepared to pay for, you've got an expensive hobby or a nasty temper tantrum coming on. Interesting. Yeah, both both really, really interesting and valid, obviously. Uh, Gary, have you got anything to add to that? Have you, have you got any two extra um, points you'd like yeah, to add? Yeah, yeah, it, it's, it's, I, think, I think leadership is important. I think leadership is important. Um, and because, you know, especially from my perspective, as somebody who provides business support, you can fix everything else. You know, there's lots of technology specialists in you, all in, etc., etc. But if you haven't got the, you, you can't invent leadership skills. You can hone them, you can improve them, etc., etc. Um, and 
I think you've really got to focus on uh, developing uh, that with your business. I'd say the, the other thing is, um, I guess it's around the importance of uh, building teams. If you want to grow your business, you can't do everything yourself. You have to work with others, whether it's you know directly or indirectly, you know through uh, outsourcing or whatever. Get focus on what you do the best. Um, and look at what you know, what you need to address, what you're not so good at, and try and uh, get the support of others to uh, work on that. Excellent. Well, it's really, really useful. Twelve thirty TWC Business Beat Radio Mondays two till four PM UK time. Tips, inspiration, fun, tunes for and from business women on all the socials. www.1230.co.uk at Love to Beat Radio. What you guys been talking about while we've not been away? I'm not sure Gary wants to share that on the radio, but if you do. <laughs> <laughs> we we're, were, were talking about Jerry Lee Lewis, and I was um, I was telling uh, Annabelle a story about my uncle because in the he was a very big fan of Elvis and Jerry Lee Lewis, etc. In the 1950s, he bought one of these, you know, these Teddy Boy suits. Yes. Uh, the, the, uh, the drapes, you know, that the, stuff that Elvis. Jesus Christmas, yeah. <laughs> yes, yeah. Very expensive. It cost him a month's wages. Yeah. And uh, a few days after he'd got it, he went out on the Friday night, but he didn't wear the suit because he was going, you know, uh, for a good night out drinking, probably, I, I guess. And my, my grandmother, who was a very religious, God-fearing woman, was appalled by this suit. And <laughs> when he was out that night, she burnt it in the building. <laughs> oh, no! <laughs> in the garden. And it cost, it cost a month's wages, which is oh. the average wage is about... 26,000, so it's about two and a half thousand pounds. Oh, well, I bet they cried there. there. there but at least he does see the funny side of it now. She was very good woman, my grandmother, but as I said, she had very fixed uh, moral views. Yeah, I know. She said that rock and roll was the devil's music, definitely. <laughs> well, it might have been for Jerry Lee Lewis, I don't know. <laughs> yes, yeah, so it probably was. Uh, um, yeah, oh, well, thank you for sharing that. That's good. Follow that, as they say. (laughs) Okay. Um, So, Annabelle, just really to expand on the things that you do, because you're often at various events speaking. You've been on the... I'll tell you what, tell us about the time that you were actually on the telly. Oh, gosh, that was a while ago, wasn't it? Yeah, I haven't been on the telly for a while, actually, which is a blessing, because between me and the dog pace, my pre-lockdown fuck doesn't zip up very well anymore. <laughs> so someone were to summon me to be on the television. Now, this was start a fashion crisis, you know, because <laughs> I, I think I need to shop for bigger clothes. But talking about pre-lockdown and clothes, you've got a 12 Christmas event coming up, haven't you? We you have, a- yes. We've changed our dates a little bit. I'm just waiting on confirmation of that. Um, at the moment from well, the hoping, subject to when it is to come down and hopefully to say hello to all the people I've met virtually through you in this you know because I thought I do need to visit London one more time before I'm done darling <laughs> that'll be how could London possibly survive without you Annabelle really it manages perfectly well honestly it doesn't miss one little citizen being squashed against a ward in a crush it doesn't even know I'm gone but, um, yeah. I don't, I don't <laughs> suppose you heard me mention the fact that yesterday I went to Ikea um, and I have in the past been heard to say I've got Ikea withdrawal symptoms um, and I think well, that's my husband, he likes Ikea <laughs> now that is the devil's spawn I was thinking <laughs> with Gary's grandmother on that front well, that, that, uh, it was quite interesting actually because as you will know Often is it difficult to park in uh, IKEA at Purley Way, and it was you know it was raining and a Sunday, and people haven't got anything to do. So where do we go? We go to IKEA. Um, but, but the but the queuing is so much better now. I was very impressed. It's it's the typical Disney one where you go up and down and up and down and up and down. Um, but then when you get there to pay for your items, boom, it's done. Really really nice and easy. And I can't remember why I started waffling on about that. 
There was a purpose, I can assure you. Um, I, I think the whole notion of self-service is bewildering, and I know we're now moving on to robot service, but I can remember, in my grandmother's day, when you went to the shop, you stood in the shop, and you told them what you wanted, and they wrapped it up, and then somebody delivered it home later. Mm. And then we moved on to... Um, you went to the shop and told them what you wanted and they gave it to you in a bag and you took it home, so you were the delivery boy. And then we moved on in my mum's generation, she went to the shop and you filled the trolley, so now you're working for them free of charge and then you take your own stuff home. And I care of taking that to the next level with you. You have to build the stuff that you had to select for yourself <laughs> to drag home on your own. And I do wonder where this is going to end up. You know, are we all going to have 3D printers in our house and just not bother with it? But you do have to ask the question sometimes, what is the retailer adding? If I'm fetching it, paying for it, assembling it, checking myself out now at the tills with nobody there, at what point does retail cease to exist? Interesting. very Because uh, that's actually what we were there, obviously, yesterday, um, because my son was up upgrading or making larger uh, a bigger bed for his little one who's two and a half so that's what we were actually there for so um, he was getting everything and taking it home and putting it all together so I don't know yes. Gary what, what, what are your thoughts on that um, well maybe in the future uh, we'll have our own robots that will build these for us I'm fetching uh, from Ikea, maybe, and even order them online and tell us yes, what yes. I'm going to you, sir. <laughs> I, I was in um, Las Vegas, what was that, about three years ago. I went in a bar there that was staffed by robots, because what you did is you uh, went to a terminal on your table, you ordered your drink, uh, the information went through to the robots, you could order cocktails, and <laughs> the robot would shake the cocktails, yeah. and then we kind of revolving... Uh, uh, a set of drinks going around uh, and then you would come and collect it when it was ready. Wow. How did that feel? Uh, How did that feel being served by robots in that way? Oh, uh, yeah. You just it took was, it on board. Uh, it was interesting. You didn't get any back chat. <laughs> did you have to tip them? <laughs> did, you, um, did you have to tip them? It's a very surreal place. very interesting. Yeah. You never know whether it's night or day there, you know, they have shopping centres where they've got uh, the whole, um, you know, we've painted the skyline of Venice, there's like a miniature reproduction of Venice, it's, it's incredible, um, how much all these things cost, I don't know, but it's, uh, it's an interesting place to go. Yeah, well, I, I, want, I want to thank both of you very much for a really interesting um program today and for your input um, not only on your differences in music but also for your thoughts that's about pretty massive isn't it it's a huge <laughs> hugely massive um, and um, uh, but also for, for your thoughts on business which obviously there was some synergies going there and crossing over but also your input is always extremely valuable so I do look forward to you coming back and joining us again can you before we kick into the music and then the ads would you like to share with our listeners how they can actually get hold of you again and ladies first Annabelle if you'd like to go first um, best place to find me is via my website Coffee Clutch K-O-F F-E-E-K-L-A-T-C-H dot co dot UK or you can find me on LinkedIn Coffee Clutch has a LinkedIn page we have a Facebook page called Coffee Clutch and I think that's enough spelling or you can just Google <laughs> Annabelle K the first 20 pages on Google are me yeah. and page 21 is some poor girl in HR from Plymouth who's getting a <laughs> over top oh. Annabelle K from Plymouth <laughs> It is surprising, isn't it? Because we all sort of think we're the only ones, and then, and then, gosh, something. And she's an HR poor girl. You know, when you think, maybe she'd been a poster or something, I could have cross referred. You know? <laughs> <laughs> there you go. Um, Gary, what about you? How do we get you? Um, I'm on LinkedIn. If you just uh, uh, Google Gary Parker, um, there's not too many of us, although I, I, I've been, I keep. Uh, getting ghosted by um, messages on Instagram uh, called All Things Gary, which is a very strange <laughs> site. So don't go to that one. Um, uh, go to LinkedIn. Um, 
And then there's our website, cntassociates.com, charlieosetangoassociates.com, CRM. Fantastic. Again, thank you both so much, and I look forward to seeing you again. Um, take care. Thank you very much. Thanks thank a lot. You. Take care. Bye. Bye. Okay, so that's amazing with two people who I'm very pleased to say will be coming back at some point and adding to the excitement of um, business and actually what's going on there. Maybe Gary will find another snippet of family information about somebody else who's <laughs> who, who, who the dear nan uh, destroyed things for. But um, yeah, no, it, it's right that these things happen and it's good that his uncle took it in, in good faith. So... Um, I'm Jackie Grouncer, as you know, I'm here every Monday, 2 till 4, with amazing speakers. Uh, last week we had some comedians on, so that was good as well. So I do try to ring the, the uh, changes. Now, if there's anything that you'd actually particularly like me to have guests to talk about for you, do please let me know. You can find my contact details on the website, all the W's, 1230.co.uk. Following on from me now is Ozzy Osman, who is our indie rock king, and he'll be entertaining you and enlightening you with lots of different things that he's actually got. So, Love to Beat Radio, based here in Penge. Thank you all so much for listening. Thank you to my special guests, Annabelle and to Gary. 1230 TWC, Business Beat Radio, Mondays 2 till 4 p.m. UK time. Tips, inspiration, fun, tunes for and from business women on all the socials. www.1230.co.uk at Love to Beat Radio.